This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. It has been said that heard melodies are sweet. Those unheard are sweeter. Many years ago, there was a great naturalist who went to old Mexico to study the wildlife of the mountains. One morning, she noticed a little Mexican wren, a little bird, perched on a high branch of a nearby bush. Apparently, that little bird was singing to the top of his voice. The thing that caught her attention, the naturalist, was the fact that although this little bird seemed to be singing, this naturalist could hear no song, no sound at all. Then after a moment or two of waiting quietly, the lady said that the little bird's song came to her in a key so high that her natural ears could hardly catch the vibrations. As this naturalist continued to watch the little bird, She saw him continue to go through the motions of singing, but she heard no sound. And so she concluded that surely he must still be singing. Intensely curious, this lady went to a Mexican city, borrowed an amplifier, and set it up close to the little bird's nest. A few days later, her efforts were rewarded as she heard the song of the little Mexican wren from beginning to end. The lady said, the most beautiful part of the song was the part that I could not hear with my natural ears. The human ear has a relatively narrow range, about nine and a half octaves. Most uh, pianos have 88 keys. They have only seven octaves plus about a third more. One person said in a joking kind of way that when a bullfrog croaks normally, He is croaking below the last key on the piano. And the only time we can hear him is when he's trying to sing soprano. The cricket, on the other hand, chirps way above the highest key on the piano. The only time we can hear him is when he's trying to sing bass. (laughs) Well, this same truth of the narrow range of the human ear applies to the human mind as well. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was trying to get his hearers to push back the old horizons of our lives, to discover untold wealth and beauty, to hear unheard harmonies. Over and over again, we find the phrase, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, but I say unto you. In essence, Jesus was saying, you have missed so much of the joy, the music of life, which should be yours, but your hearts can't take it in. Your ears are closed to those unheard harmonies of life. Then Jesus picked out several areas and made a practical application of what he was talking about. So for a few minutes, let's look at some of these areas Jesus was talking about. First he said, Matthew 6, verse 34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. I'm afraid this is one of those statements of Jesus which we've all had so much trouble hearing. It's beyond the range of our ears and hearts to take it in. We spend so much of our energies beating our heads against the wall, we don't have time to listen to someone who tells us 
how much better it would be for us to stop. Medical science has told us repeatedly that being anxious and worrying is one of the most deadly killers of people that we know. Worrying produces an acid that upsets our whole system, burns holes in our lives. Stress and anxiety can literally subtract years from the normal span of your life. But how do we come to that place where we can obey Jesus and not be anxious about tomorrow? Let me tell you the experience of one man and his wife, how they did it. Dr. James Porch was the pastor of a church in Tullahoma, Tennessee, a number of years ago. In one year, his wife, Lynn, entered the hospital for minor corrective and preventative surgery. The doctors all assured them both that there was no reason to worry about complications. Her recovery period would be hastened by the excellent health she was in. The following morning, the preacher's wife went to surgery. In less time than they expected, the doctor returned to her room and gave the family the report. There had been complications. He had discovered a malignancy in an advanced state. The church where this pastor and his wife served was a warm, loving fellowship. And throughout the days ahead, they showered their love upon their pastor and his wife. But on that first night after they received the news, there was a time when no one came to the hospital. That evening of the absence of friends turned out to be a life-changing blessing for them. Let me share with you the words of Dr. Porch himself. He said, that evening in room 323, we faced her cancer directly. And we resolved for the rest of our lives to live one day at a time. During the next few days, we began to experience liberation from the tyranny of time. Now waking together in the morning, we receive the gift of another day in God's presence. Going to sleep each evening, we entrust our care into the Lord's hands and hope for the coming day. Throughout each day, together or apart, we build moment altars, and we thank God for allowing us the blessing of one day at a time. Yes, sometimes we forget and become caught up in the expectation of future events, and we lose the glory of the present day. And then, conditioned by that experience over 10 years ago, the gentle nudging of God who is always there, we come back to bless the present day, a day that was so different from the day before, and a day that will be assuredly different from the next. Beautiful story from Dr. Jim Porch. I used to work in Myrtle Beach with a very fine Christian physician, Dr. Jim Graham. He had a phrase that he used many times in dealing with patients with addiction disease. He said, plan for the future, but don't plan the future. Future's in God's hands. Well, another thing we need to do, not only refrain being anxious about tomorrow, but Jesus said in verse 33 of that same chapter that we are to put first things first. This is how we can prevent becoming anxious about tomorrow. Here he gives us the, the way, the formula. But seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Dr. Roy Angel illustrates this verse so vividly in one of his books with a story about some of you who are older will understand very well. Out in Texas, there was this country preacher many years ago who just moved to a new church, but he had no place to stay uh, right at first. And so he was offered the hospitality of the home of one of his deacons. Well, during the first sermon, which this young man preached in the little country church, it happened to be on a Sunday evening. While he was in the church preaching, some fun-loving boys got the idea that they would initiate their new preacher. So while he was in the church uh, giving God's word, they went out to where his horse and buggy were. They did a bit of rearranging. Now, I might explain for some of you who are younger that you don't know about old buggies. These were smaller wheels on the front and larger wheels in the back. You may have seen some of these on TV shows. So these boys changed the wheels on the preacher's buggy. They put the low front wheels behind and the high back wheels they put in the front. So after church was over, it was completely dark when the preacher got in his buggy he rode to the home of the deacon where he was spending the night. The next morning, the deacon found the preacher up real early, looking down the road over which he had traveled the night before, scratching his head in bewilderment. What's the matter, parson? The deacon asked him. The preacher said, well, I'm looking for that hill I came up from church on the way home to your house last night. <coughs> the deacon explained why there isn't any hill between my house and the church. But the preacher insisted, oh, I know better. It, I nearly pulled my horse to death and I rode up here on the back of my neck. Then the two of them went outside to the shed where the buggy had been put up for the night and they both broke out laughing. The deacon laid a hand on the preacher's shoulder and he said, you know, preacher, there's a great sermon in that. When you get things in front that belong behind and the things behind that belong in front, then you go through life on the back of your neck. How true that is. The Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. We don't break the Ten Commandments. We just break ourselves against them. Jesus says here that when we put first things first, then we don't have to worry about the outcome. He'll take care of that. Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness gives us an ability to hear those more beautiful tones of harmony we could never hear otherwise when we've been trying to seek our own way first. <coughs> Let me mention one other unheard harmony which Jesus told us about in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 6, verses 14 to 15, we have the teaching of Jesus. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father Forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is a lovely thought until you're faced with having to give, forgive someone who's committed an outrageous wrong against you. Then it becomes evident just how difficult true forgiveness really is. <coughs> Those of us who are older may remember years ago a fellow named David Berkowitz, who was also known as the son of Sam, brutally and viciously killed seven people in New York over a period of a year. 
One news report told about his father, Nathan Berkowitz, who spoke to the families of those victims. The father said, if David did all these things, I don't expect you to forgive him. This would be too much to ask of you. But listen, God has the audacity to ask us to forgive those who have mistreated us, no matter how great the wrong may have been. You remember a number of years ago when the whole world was astonished when the Pope visited the jail of a man who had tried to assassinate him? Even more of a surprise to many people was the fact that the Pope expressed his forgiveness to this man who was in jail. This astonishment was reflected on the cover of one of our national magazines at that time. They printed a banner across the picture of the Pope, and on that banner were two words, why forgive? Well, I can answer that question. I can tell you why the Pope forgave this man. It was because the Pope was seeking to obey the teachings of Jesus. The Christian has no choice in this matter. In his book, High Wind at Noon, Alan Knight Chalmers gives a story of a fellow named Pierre Holm, H-O-L-M, who was a world-famous engineer. He had built bridges, railroads, tunnels in many parts of the world. He gained wealth of, and fame, but later he came to failure, poverty, and sickness. He returned to the little village where he was born, and together with his wife and his little girl, they eked out a meager living. Pierre had a neighbor who owned a fierce dog. Pierre had warned this man that his dog was dangerous, but the old man replied, Oh, hold your tongue, you cursed pauper. But one day Pierre came home to find the dog at the throat of his little girl. He tore the dog away, but the dog's teeth had gone too deeply. His little girl was dead. The sheriff came and shot the dog, and the neighbors were bitter against the owner of the dog. When time came for them to sow their seeds the next crop next year, everybody refused to sell this old man any grain at all. <clears throat> His fields were plowed, but they were bare. He could neither beg, borrow, nor buy any seed to plant. Whenever he walked down the road, people of the village sneered at him. That is, everybody did except Pierre Holm. This man was so crushed at the loss of his little daughter, he could not sleep at night for thinking about his neighbor. So very early one morning, Pierre arose, went to his shed, and got his last half bushel of barley. He climbed the fence and sowed his neighbor's field. When the seeds came up, it was revealed what Pierre had done, because part of his own field had remained bare, while the field of his neighbor was green. Pierre Holm found the same kind of joy of sweet harmony that the Pope must have found also after his trip to the jail that day. Yes, forgiveness of those who have wronged us is one of the hardest challenges we ever face as Christians. But once we decide to obey the command of Jesus, then oh, what a joy is ours. This is because our heart is right, and God's forgiveness then can come to us too.
As you look at your life this morning, are you having any trouble hearing those unheard harmonies? Maybe you'll have to admit that your life is not in tune, in harmony with God. Rather, it's all out of tune, like the garbled sounds or unintelligible sounds that that naturalist was unable to hear from the little Mexican wren. Could it be that God is right now saying to you, I want to take your life and restore its harmony. I want to help you expand your range of blessings. Perhaps your prayer this morning could be this. Open my ears that I may hear voices of truth thou sendest clear. And while the wave notes fall on my ear, everything false will disappear. Oh, Heavenly Father, we need to hear those unheard harmonies that are all around us. And we confess that we've not been able to hear many of these because of our own sin. So we pray, Lord, that right now you'll come in your wonderful forgiveness of us for the past failures. Help us to be able to receive those blessings that are waiting for us to hear those unheard harmonies that come from you as we are in tune with your will for our lives. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our ears. Open our hearts. And let us hear what you have for us. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.